The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It is Thursday, March 23rd, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Hello there. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a great week so far. We're on the eve of the eve of UFC San Antonio. Yes, I know we're still feeling the hangover from UFC 286 and the fallout of that event. But UFC San Antonio has a massive main event at 135 pounds between Marlon Cheeto Vera and Corey Sanhagen. I cannot wait for that fight. You get a fight night event in front of a live studio audience and a, and a pretty significant audience. So that'll be fun. That'll be fun. A lot going on. And as I mentioned, it is March 23rd, which is a very special day for me. Three years ago, March 23rd, 2020 was my first day here with MMAfighting.com. So today is officially the three-year anniversary since I joined the squad. It was a very interesting time, not just for me, not just for my career, but in the world too, because literally the day I started with MMA fighting was the day that in the United States, in New England specifically, in Massachusetts specifically, where I was living at the time, everything was shutting down. We were right in the middle of the pandemic. It was like the beginning stages of the pandemic when everybody realized that this was actually a, a thing. And it was literally the day everything started shutting down. And events were being canceled and all this craziness was going on. 
this was a pretty nerve wracking time for me because I was wondering, am I just going to be with MMA fighting for like three days? Is the world just going to stop? Is everything going to implode? Am I just going to get let go right away? I didn't know. And it's been quite the ride. It has been quite the ride. Uh, luckily, things didn't shut down for too long when it comes to the mixed martial arts landscape, especially with the UFC. They kept on trucking. Uh, I remember like the first thing that I did, I think I, the first thing I did was, it was right after John Jones got arrested in Albuquerque. So I had to do like a video reaction to that. It was like the very first thing I did for MMA fighting. And then a couple of days later, out of the blue, I did an interview with Chael Sonnen. And then what the heck began. And then a little while after that, BTL began. And that has since led to a whole bunch of other things, including this show. So it has been, uh, it's been quite the ride. So I hope, you know, this is three years. I hope six, seven years from now, we're, we're still celebrating these anniversaries on, on shows like this with MMAfighting.com. So wanted to talk about that. Pretty cool to, to go back and reflect on everything. But I do want to get a couple of things off my chest before we get the show started, if you will, because uh, it's been an interesting couple of days for your boy. Uh, on Monday, eve- Monday late afternoon, uh, I spoke with Colby Covington for MMAfighting.com, and that interview dropped shortly before the show started on Tuesday, and we kind of discussed some of the things that Colby talked about, and... During the show, I think it was during the show or shortly thereafter, uh, I'm scrolling through Twitter and I see that somebody clipped off Colby talking about Bilal Muhammad being a racist and then him threatening John Anik. And it was just, it was just a weird thing. Um, so I've been kind of like off social media. I didn't really jump on yesterday very much. And because honestly, when that clip came out, I got a whole bunch of like DMs on, on Instagram and stuff. And, and people were giving me just all sorts of crap about it. Um, and my first thought was, well, probably people didn't watch the interview and got context from it. Um, and believe me, I'm not defending Colby. I just wanted to kind of give you my side of things. Uh, if you watch the interview, you will realize uh, I didn't ask Colby about John Anik at all. I think I just asked him like a, a pretty general question. Colby went on a rant. He dropped that line about John Anik. And it was a very, it was a very uncomfortable moment for me because I did not expect that. I did not see that coming. And when that happens, there's two roads you can take. And apparently a lot of people who DM'd me and a lot of people I've seen on Twitter are interview experts and are trying to tell me how I should have handled everything and how I, how they would have done it and all of this. So let me tell you where I'm coming from with all of that. The, there, there were two roads I could have taken. I could have just followed up with it uh, and kind of battled back with Colby with the Anik thing, which you know could have been a thing. I, I could have done it, uh, but all that would have done is would have extended that into more of an uncomfortable place. So I had to make a split second decision. 
And the decision I landed on, one that I'm actually pretty happy about, is that I just I just pivoted. I moved away from it. Um, and there were a couple points in that interview where things got a little uncomfortable. And rather than dive into it uh, and make it worse, I just pivoted and was like, "All right, we're we're just going to take this down a different a different road altogether." Um, and everyone's like, "Oh, you should have clapped back. You should have done this. Should have done that." With Colby. And I, I know this is talked about with other people. I've known, as far as like media members having relationships with Colby, I have probably known him longer than anybody in the space. I've done interviews longer than him, uh, than anybody in the space with him. You know, before he was a ranked fighter to, you know, a middle of the pack fighter to a ranked guy who could not get a fight with anybody uh, to a guy who was almost cut by the company despite being a top 10 fighter, um, pre gimmick, post gimmick, all of that. I've had these conversations with Colby for a long time. Uh, there is a difference between on camera Colby and off camera Colby or the on camera recording, doing an interview Colby. And then the Colby you just talk to normally there are two different guys. At least that's how it's always been with me. So with the Anik thing, rather than just keep pushing him on the Anik thing, uh, I know that I'm not talking to Colby. Like I am like physically, but you're talking to the gimmick. You're talking to the character. And as uncomfortable as that threat was, and it was just not a smart thing to say, and I'm not really thrilled about it, it's, it's not really him. It's just the gimmick. And... I wasn't going to feed into that any, any more than it needed to. So that's my take on it. Uh, I did reach out to John and I wanted to let him know like, Hey, if you watch the interview, like I didn't ask him about you. Uh, he, he, he put that out there on his own. I didn't want, cause I, I mean, I think people at this point know how much respect, how much admiration that I have for John Anik. Uh, I look at John as, as a friend in the industry uh, I look up to that guy. I think he's not only the best play-by-play guy in combat sports, I think he's one of the top three to five play-by-play guys in all of sports. I hold John Anik to such high regard. And when I heard that, it was just, it was very uncomfortable. But I also understood that like Colby's just being Colby and he's trying to create moments and headlines and, why he took that road, I'm not really sure, but that was not a that was not something I was going to feed into more, if that makes sense. I was just gonna let it go and and pivot to something else immediately because clapping back and having him say more stuff like that wasn't gonna do that. I wasn't gonna do that. So uh, it's tough. It's tough interviewing Colby. It's not easy. People think it's so easy to interview this guy. It is. It's not because you have to balance the guy that you're actually speaking with for an interview and the guy you're speaking with when record is not on because they're two different guys. They just are like conversation I had before the interview started and the conversation I had after the interview started were two completely different in the conversation, the interview we did completely different conversations, completely different guys, completely different conversations. Uh, So it was a weird moment. um, and, And that's it. Just people were, coming after me for it. Oh, how dare you ask 
Colby about John Anik, you knew it was going to happen. I didn't ask him about John Anik. He said it by – he just dropped that out of in the middle of nowhere, like just out of nowhere, all of that. So I don't know. I did reach out to John. I have not heard back, um, but that doesn't mean like he's mad at me or anything. Maybe he is. I certainly hope he's not. But, yeah, that was that was something. Um, and I guess that's all I'm going to say about it. I mean, if you guys have more you want to ask about that interview, we can certainly can certainly do so, but I was not a fan of that. And it caught me off guard and I had to make a snap judgment. Do we just keep this going? Do I feed into it or do we move on? And I chose to move on. And honestly, I think that was the right decision. And I was happy with that decision. I still am because that clip would have been a lot longer and a lot more uncomfortable if if I fed back into it. So got to make those decisions snap. And yeah, I was not a fan of how that all played out, but it is what it is. It's what happens when Colby does interviews in big spots and he's trying to keep that spot that he got from Dana. And what's interesting is he's actually, that whole thing has actually given Bilal Muhammad a little bit of uh, of an extra boost. I feel like more people are on team Bilal than ever before. So in a weird way, Colby making things kind of uncomfortable has actually done Bilal Muhammad a little bit of a favor because he's done the media rounds. Everybody's asking him about it. He's taken John's back like all the other fighters and all everybody else. And he's turned it into, I guess, a positive for him. And he's getting a little bit over because of it. And I think Colby might have done him a little bit of a favor. I don't know if it's going to put Bilal in a position where he jumps Colby, that's not going to happen. But perhaps if Mazadal does beat Gilbert Burns, maybe the UFC pivots to a Colby Bilal fight. There's, there's some juice to that one. Now there wasn't 40, there wasn't 48 hours ago at this time. There's definitely wasn't, but there seems to be now. So that whole thing, might've just made this welterweight division a little more interesting, but I don't know. Just wanted to get my side to it. I, I got hit up a bunch about it and just wanted to give my take on everything. So let's, uh, let's hear from you guys. Let's hear what you all have to say on this fine Thursday. Tristan, kick us Mike. off. Mike, can you hear me? Yes. All right. I want to discuss about this Kobe thing. Now I might be a little bit long, but just, just bear with me here. No problems with the interview. You did nothing wrong. Nothing wrong at all. Everything has to do with Kobe. The issue is when you're playing two characters, they start to blur together. And this is where it becomes a problem with him. I was thinking about this a lot. It's like, I'll give an analogy. It's just like, if you, if you watch the movie Friday, with Chris Tucker and Ice Cube, there's the scene where there's, there's like a pivotal moment in, in the movie where Ice Cube, Craig's character, looks at Smokey and says, like, yo, man, so what are we going to do about paying back Big Worm? And then Chris Tucker goes like this. Chris Tucker was like, man, I don't know. That dude's just playing. And then, you know, Craig had enough. He was just like, man, like, you think everybody out here is playing? Everybody's out here playing. Nobody's playing. Everybody, you think you think he's playing about his money? And you think it's a joke. You think it's, it's funny. And that's what Kobe... Kobe Covington is like, he thinks this stuff is funny. He thinks it's, I understand, it's a game to him. 
It's a character. I understand it. I understand what he's doing. I understand if he didn't do this, he wouldn't be where he is today. And I'm cool. I'm cool. You're talking about the person, the fighter, and making fun, and that's all well and good. But once again, and this is what gets me agitated about him, why do you have to mention about people's family? Why do you have to mention about people's character? I mean, not I'm sorry, people's religion. And this is the whole point of Jorge when he said it, when he talked to Joe Rogan, he said, and he still, until it's like in the octagon, I want to take that dude's soul because it's eating him up inside that he could talk like this and there's, and oh, I could just sue him. It's not, this is his fault. This is what Kobe Covington's fallback is. I'll just sue him. I'll just, I'll press charges on him. He did this with Verdun. Go back to the Verdun tape when Verdun threw a boomerang at him. He went and called the cops. He's doing this. He did it to Jorge. Now, again, I don't want to condone what Jorge did. What he did was not right. I'm not condoning violence, but I at least I kind of understand where Jorge is coming from. You understand? And this is the whole thing. It's like it's he thinks it's all fun and games when you start talking about people's religion and when you start talking about people's families. And for you to threaten John Anik, like I don't understand. I don't know how John is gonna when he do the fighter meetings. Anik may have to excuse himself. You'd be like, listen. And he probably not. He's so professional. He's so down to earth. He's so nice about it. And he and he knows. And I know, like, John Ag knows what it is. He's like, you know, I'm not gonna be. It's it's, it's hilarious. Like, you know, whatever. But deep in, in a quiet moment, I wonder if John Ag's like, man, I should put a restraining order on this dude, man. Like, for you to go and threaten the the children, my children, and my wife. Come on, man. And this guy, and you don't know John Ag. I don't know. We don't know what John Anik's capable of. You think you think he's soft or whatever. Go, all right, you keep thinking that way. Because he, he may know people that we don't know. So he can make that, he can make this back a real uncomfortable situation for Kobe. But he's not going to do that because, you, you know, he has a job. He, he's a professional. He's going to be do, always do the right thing. He's a stand-up doing. This is my issue with Kobe, man. And it's, it's all games. I, I get it. It's all games. I understand what he's trying to do. But this has got to stop, man. This has got to stop. And this is why Bilal was feeling a certain way. Like, yo, man, I see you in Miami. I'm smacking you. And Bilal never really speaks like that. Like, I'm going to smack him. He's never done that. I'm going to smack this guy in the face. Because you, you're talking about things that is unnecessary. Like, you don't have to add to your character. You know, it's like a Jacqueline Hyde. But the problem is they're merging together where people are not going to be able to tell the difference anymore. And maybe when he retires, he apologizes to everybody. Maybe he could have a... A comeback just like how Bisping did, because Miss Bisping would say some crazy stuff. But now, you know, he's beloved. Man, hopefully, I hope that for him, because he, he he better make this right when he retires, because it's not going to be playing games anymore at this point. And that's my whole thing about it. And then the second of all, I want to point out is I agree with Bilal in the situation. I know they have told him that hey, we're going to give you shop count, Rockmano, and he said I'm not I'm not I'm not taking that fight. And if I'm him, and I think that's going to happen when he talks to Dana and the UFC brass on Monday, I think what he's going to say is, if I'm going to fight Shavkat Rachmanov, I need a guarantee that I'm going to get a title shot. If not, if not, I'm not doing it. And either give me the winner of Jorge versus Gilbert, I'll take that fight, or Kamara Usman. That's it. And that's where the negotiation should be. Because it's like, he made great points where if I face Shavkat, it's it's too much of a risk. Not to say, and I'm not saying Bilal can't win the fight. I think he could. I think he could beat Shafka. But he knows the damage is, he knows, like, that's going to, it's going to be a hard fight where 
I'm not going to come out of that, that fight unscathed where I might have to take six to eight months off just to recover from that fight. You know, and it's too, and if I lose, then my title hopes are done. I'm not getting another title shot again. So, and he's like, also too, and he broke up the point that I expressed is like, I already fought down. I already beat Sean Brady. I already beat an upcoming prospect. Now you want me to beat another one who's even more dangerous, who has more heart, and who has, is just dangerous everywhere. So why am I going to do that? And I think, I think the UFC are going to come to terms, you know what, we'll give you a solid. You know, you've done, you promoted yourself, you did everything on your own and things of that nature. You know what, we'll give you the win of Jorge versus Gilbert or we'll give you Kamara. And that's what, that's what I think it is because I think that, because it's not fair. They know he's right at some point. You know what I mean? So that's my thoughts about it. And, uh, you know, thanks, Mike. Yeah, I don't know. That's going to be an interesting meeting. I, I I don't know if he has much of a leg to stand on, to be honest with you. Um, unfortunately, I've kind of like predicted this path for Bilal, and it's it's unfortunate. It shouldn't be this way. Um, but I predicted he would fight Sean Brady, and I predicted that if Leon won, he's going to have to fight Shafkar Rachmanov. And from what I understand, that fight's been discussed for a couple of weeks now uh, from a couple of people that I've spoken to. I know Bilal is saying that was the first he heard about it. Maybe that's that's the case, but... Um, from what I understand, there have been discussions about that fight for, for a couple of weeks now. But it'll be interesting to see what that meeting's going to be like. I, if, if Mazadal beats Burns, he ain't fighting Mazadal. I could assure you of that. They're going to keep Mazadal. They're going to keep Mazadal away from that. They're going to try to do Mazadal Leon or even Mazadal Colby for the title. Uh, Mazadal wins is getting a title shot. Plain and simple. Burns wins. I could see them doing Bilal versus Burns. Um, so they could go that route. Maybe Usman, but who knows what's going to happen with Kamara at this point. And yeah, he ain't fighting Moss at all. That, that's not going to happen. So ultimately, I think he should probably just hope Burns wins so he could fight him. Uh, otherwise, he's going to fight. have to fight Shafkar Akmanov and it's a tough one, but I agree with you. It's a fight that he could win, but it's a tough-ass fight. It's a tough-ass fight. And then with the whole Anik thing, yeah, it's just, it was, like I said, it was super uncomfortable. Uh, that's why I, did, I didn't fire back at it because I just, I wanted the uncomfortableness of it all just to go away or at least for, not extended even longer, but I don't know this for sure, but it wouldn't shock me if like Colby had reached out to Anik already. Um, and was like, eh, maybe I crossed the line. I don't know. I don't know. But I wonder what the UFC is going to say about it. Cause there's no doubt that Dane is going to get asked about it. So what are they going to do? Are they going to say, we talked to Colby told me can't do that shit. Or is Dana going to say, well, we have 700 maniacs on the roster. And we, and we tell them they can speak freely about whatever they want. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it was it was not good. It was not good. Joking aside or not, it was not good. Uh, QP, hello. QP. All right. We'll move on. Uh, let's try JN. Jan, are you there? Let 
right? I don't hear anything. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, let's try Julio. Julio. Hey, good morning. So I'll tell you exactly what Dana's going to say perfectly. This is the fight business. People say mean things. It's, it's going to be somewhere along those lines of what he's going to say. But as far as Kobe, like, it's just crazy. And I, I honestly feel bad for the guy because he, he's clearly dug himself so deep in that character that there, there's just no way there's no way out of it, right? <clears throat> he, he just has to say messed up stuff. And, and you could tell, like, he, he's obviously not a witty guy and, you know, coming up with stuff. He, he may have one or two lines, like, ready to go, but he, like, always stumbling across, like, what he has to say. So I'm pretty sure the John Attic thing just came up in the moment and just said it. I, I don't know the guy, but he probably was thinking like, damn, I can't believe I said that or whatever. But it is what it is. Like, that's his character and he has to go with it. My thing is, it's just the sad thing is there's characters in every in entertainment, right? Trash talkers in the sport, you know, like Conor McGregor, Michael Bisping in his time. Mayweather, whatever. Whether you talk good or bad, good or bad about them, the point is to sell tickets, right, and and make their pockets bigger. But just thinking in the long run, like it's a cold world, and once this is all over, I just feel bad. Like it's gonna be a lonely, lonely life for him. Like I, I don't know what who would want to associate with that type of person. Like I said. Um, he kind of dug himself so deep that he just seems like he has to keep going with this. And and just thinking long-term, like, nobody's going to want to deal with that guy, you know, because of the type of stuff he has said and attacking people's families and kids and religion and stuff. And it's, it's crazy that, you know, 
you would want that or you would want to keep pursuing that type of persona. Uh, I guess my question, that's just really my thought. The question that I would say is, who do you think has been like of the most hated fighters or yeah, in, in, in MMA besides Kobe, like I could think of like Dylan down Dan is like, nobody likes that guy because all the dumb stuff he says and he's not relevant. So, yeah, besides Kobe, who do you think has been, like, the most hated MMA fighter uh, there's been? Thank you. I don't know. It's so weird. He's, he's Kobe's right up there. Um, but a lot of people like him, too. A lot of people like him. A lot of people defending him in all of this. Um, so, I don't know. Like, it, it's hard to say, like, what hated actually is. Because you feel like John Jones was hated for a long time. And then he shows up at a press conference after three years away and multiple heinous arrests and people are cheering him like he's Hulk Hogan in 1988. It's, it's weird. Like hated is not necessarily a bad thing in MMA. There's like different kind of heat. Like Dennis has Dylan Dennis is like really bad heat. And I think Colby like Dennis doesn't have like really any supporters. Um, Colby has supporters. He has a lot of them. AK can attest to this. He reads the MMA fighting comments section. Colby's got people who have his back. 100%, no matter what he says or what he does, Colby's got people on his side. Colby's got a lot of people who cheer for him. A lot of people who boo him, but he's got a lot of people who cheer for him too. Um, and that's, that's just how it is. And Jones is the same way, but he has a lot of people who cheer for him. A lot of people. So it's, 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 it's a tough question to answer, honestly, because I would say Ronda probably got there by the end. But even then, Ronda had a lot of supporters too. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting question. Being hated is not necessarily a bad thing in MMA because people pay to watch you get your ass beat. Uh, Dennis is a different story because I don't think really anybody has his back outside of like family and friends and a couple of training partners. He's got Connor siding with him, which is always like a good chip to play. And then, you know, with the other stuff, yeah, I what was, I was curious about how Colby was going to, like when he stepped on the scale Friday, I assumed he would do a, a scrum on Saturday at UFC 286 and speak with the media. Wasn't sure if he would definitely do it, but I, I felt like he might. And I was wondering how he would handle himself. Would he continue on the same path he's been on or would he kind of have a baby face turn? Uh, that didn't happen. <laughs> that did not happen. He was just came back and he's kind of the same old Colby, maybe even with a little more edge to him. It's, I was wondering if, you know, maybe he would turn baby face. It's been a year. Maybe people would have sympathy for him in, in some ways. And he just kind of doubled down on everything. So I was, I was wondering if maybe he would change it up, change it up a little bit, but it didn't happen. And right now he's the number one contender for the welterweight title, according to Dana White. It's very, yeah, it's a weird sport. It's a weird sport. And this is exactly what the UFC uh, promotes. They they like this stuff. So, uh, uh, Wally, how, how we do, man? So, um, good. Um, you know, 
uh, the news about Paulo Costa getting a fight um, duly extended. Um, do you reckon now there's a possible chance that UFC will try to make him and Hamza have a battle out at um, UFC Sweden, possibly? Let me know your thoughts on that. Mm, I don't think they'll wait that long. Hamza said on the MAR yesterday he would fight in July. So that'd be a good that'd be a good little fight to throw on the International Fight Week card. If I'm Paul Costa, I ain't going near Hamza Chemaev. Go fight Sean Strickland. Go take that one. But don't fight Hamza because that, that is not going to go well for him. The build will be interesting, and there will be a lot of eyeballs on that fight by the time it happens. But I just don't see a world where Hamza just runs him over. So, I mean, good. I give Paul credit for continuing to call out Hamza, but wouldn't really advise it on this new deal uh, to, to try to fight Hamza right off the bat. But here we are. Here we are. And good for Paulo. He, he put his feet in the sand, had a big fight with Robert Whitaker, had Dana talking trash about him. And according to him, he still got what he wanted. And he got some more money and he got a better deal. And good for him. Good for him. But if they do Hamzat, they'll probably do it in July, and that's probably where it'll happen, International Fight Week. That'd be my guess. Try to load that card up as much as possible, and getting Hamzat on there would be a pretty good move. Be a pretty good move. Uh, Joe, hello. Hey, Mike. Uh, heck of a morning. Um, on the Colby stuff, I feel like I think Ariel said it on the MMA Hour, but he's running the risk of getting um, – well, for me, he certainly has, but for everyone else – getting x-pac heat or like just like go away heat i i think what initially attracted me to mma was the personalities and what i like about wrestling is the gimmicks and colby's now getting into this like weird territory in between where it's just like when i see him talk feels very robotic doesn't feel human like the personalities that i do enjoy in mma I, at this point, like I would trade 50 Colby Covingtons for one Yuri Prohoshka. I just want to see like more weird guys who like fighting fight than, you know, a guy who's going to come in and really put on a character. It's, it's, I, I'm not looking forward to a potential Leon Colby buildup. I think the fight could be pretty good and probably would be pretty good, but I couldn't, I don't think I would tune in for any part of that, that lead up. Uh, all that being said, uh, on the UFC San Antonio card, um, I was curious. Uh, the main card is actually pretty good. Um, I really like the uh, Cop Perez fight. I like the Landwehr Lingo fight, obviously. That's going to be incredible. But I was curious. Uh, I saw Holly Holm signed on to a new contract, and uh, I want to get your thoughts on um, that. Uh, it seems like she's, you know, I, I know people sign on to contracts and always fight them out, but seems like she's pretty ready for, you know, six, ten, however many more fights. So uh, what are your thoughts on Holly Holm going forward? Thanks, Mike. Well, I'll tell you what. Holly Holm is the beneficiary of being part of just a really uninteresting division where there are never any fights. I mean, there are never women's Bantamweight fights. That division has been ice cold for a year, year and a half. And 
you could you could make the case that she is the biggest star in this division right now. And I know Amanda Nunes is there and she's the champion, but Nunes isn't like a giant star. Hall might be the most known fighter in that entire division. So keeping her is beneficial right now when you only have like 22 fighters in your entire division. So good on her. It just it seems like a lot, like a lot of fights for somebody who is, is she 40 yet? She's 41. She'll be 42 in October. So, yeah. I mean, I think the UFC had to do it, and it just worked out for her that she's at 135. So they could extend her, and they need to keep her around as much as possible. They also need her to be active. She needs to fight a lot more than, a lot more and at a much higher rate than she's fighting now. It's been what ten months since her last fight, and then before that, it was almost two years. So we got to try to get her in there at least one more time this year. But yeah, I, I, I'm not surprised by it. Not surprised by it, and we'll see how she does against against Yana Santos. And again, with the with the Colby thing, yeah, I think in a lot of people's eyes, he does have that kind of go away heat, that X Pac heat, but. A lot of people still like him. They're all cheering for him. They're defending him. They're in the comments. Yeah, Colby, yeah. They love him. So I don't think he has X-Pac heat just yet. Dylan Dennis has X-Pac heat. Like, they're, I mean, it is very diff- You have to search far and wide to find someone who will defend Dylan Dennis. Uh, you don't have to search very far to find people who will defend Colby. And Dana seems to like him enough to give him a title shot. So there we are. And I don't even know if hum- like he actually likes him. Who knows? Uh, Patrick, hello. Hey, Mike. How are we doing today? Good. I, uh, what's, I just wanted to say, first off, you do not have to address yourself to the Colby situation. Um, I know you feel like you have to, but you can't really control sometimes what some of these fighters say. So obviously not your fault. Um, two, I just wanted to ask you what you thought about Leon's accuracy in his performance against Kamaru. I went back and looked at the stats, and he had the eighth most accurate performance in UFC title fight history. Just a very impressive stat that I think is being overlooked. And, uh, yeah, have a great day. Yeah, it was impressive. I think we were in the middle of the watch party. It was like in the fourth or maybe early fifth round. He had landed like 75% of his strikes. It was impressive. He made all the shots count. Uh, and that's why I scored it the way that it did, because he was landing. Like, Usman might have been busier at times, but Leon was the one landing the shots. And when he threw, three out of four times it hit. Great with the leg kicks, great with the body kicks. It was, good perform- it was a very solid performance. Very solid showing. It's not going to go down as, like, one of the all-time great performances, but... It was, it, was, it was a sound, solid performance to get a victory in front of his home crowd and, and stifle Kamar Usman. So it was a great game plan. Yeah, those, those numbers are pretty, pretty eye-opening. So, yeah, very, very strong performance. Edward, hello. What's up, Mike? I hope you're having a good day. Yo. Um, I was going to ask you about Cheeto and Sandhagen. I wanted to see, like, if the winner of that gets a title shot. Like, considering Corey has one win over Song Yadong, 
And um, should I bet on Cheeto by fifth round? Ha. Uh, let me see. Let's see what the betting odds are like for that fight. I assume Corey is the favorite overall. Uh, where are we here? Corey minus 175. Let's see. Do we have... Vera wins in round five, plus 1,800. Ha. I mean, I wouldn't bet the mortgage on it, but yeah, throw a couple shekels down. Who the hell knows? Do I think the winner gets a title shot? No. Uh, I don't, especially if Corey Sandhagen wins. Marlon Vera will be in a much better position if he wins. But even then, I don't think he gets it. Just because O'Malley's there. And I think O'Malley will get the title shot and... I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, the best case scenario for Marlon is that he goes out there and wins and maybe they just give him Sean O'Malley in a, in a number one contender fight or they, who knows, like depending on what happens with Aljo and Cejudo, like maybe, maybe Aljo will just be like, eh, I'm not going to fight Sean O'Malley and I'll just move up to 45 and then they'll do O'Malley versus Vera for the, for the vacant belt. So I feel like that's what the UFC wants. They want those two guys when they fight again to fight for the title. So how they get there, I'm not really sure. But will Aljo make that weight cut again and get in his guy's way just to get the bag with O'Malley? When he should have just gone for the bag to begin with. We've talked about that a bunch. uh, And I think he would even admit that at this point. So I, I I won't rule it out for Marlon Vera if things fall if the dominoes fall in the right way, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but Sanhagen won't get a title shot if he wins. If Sanhagen wins, he'll have to fight Marab. And if Sanhagen loses, he probably has to fight Marab. SV three. Hey man, up. what's up? Hey, I, I don't agree with you on the Paulo Costa. I don't think you would get dusted by uh, Hamzat because a he's a lot bigger, and b he, like he's shown some real good takedown defense against like Romero. But that that's just my opinion. Uh, also, like, was the Colby interview like uncomfortable for you? And do you think he's gone like crazy in, in a sort of way? Um. So to, to start with the Costa thing, I just yeah, he's shown some some decent takedown defense, but not against Hamzat, like a guy like that. Like Luke Rockhold was having success getting him to the ground. And Luke is not the same guy by any stretch of the imagination. And I don't care who you are, Hamzat's gonna get a hold of you, he's gonna take you down. Now, can Paul Costa survive is the big question. And if this fight can get extended, Paul's got a chance. But I just feel like it's a very favorable matchup for Hamzad. And I don't think Paul is that much bigger than Hamzad. I think Hamzad might actually be bigger than him. Hamzad is a gigantic man. Like, I've stood next to this man. He is a fucking monster. That was the first thing I thought of. Like, I saw him in Jacksonville, stood next to him a bunch, and I was just like, how the hell does this guy make 170? I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. Because he was over he, – He's he could fight at light heavyweight. He could fight at 205. He could do it and hang. He's that big. He is a giant man. 
And Apollo looks good coming off the bus too. He's a big dude as well. Um, but Hamzad is a friggin' monster. So yeah, I mean, look that that would be that would be a fight with a lot of casual appeal. That'll be a fight that on fight week will be built up to be gigantic. Paul is very good at that. Paul is very good at taking the attention off main events and putting it on him. Him and Rockhold was the most talked about fight of UFC 278, even over the main event by the time they got into the cage. And Hamzad's very good at that as well. Hamzad, Gilbert Burns, when I was in Jacksonville, we had two title fights in that card. and all Anybody wanted to talk to me about was Hamzad Shemaev. All anybody wanted to talk about. So it'd be a great fight to build towards, no doubt. I would... Uh, I would heavily favor Hamzat in that fight, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Was the Colby interview uncomfortable? The Annex stuff was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. When he said what he said, I, I was very, I was uncomfortable. Uh, I was dead silent. I didn't react to it at all. Um, but I immediately moved on because of how uncomfortable it felt. And I knew that anybody who heard that would probably feel uncomfortable as well. So rather than dive into it and follow up on it, um, I just left it alone. I was like, all right, next topic. Cause I ain't going down this rabbit hole. I'm not doing it. So, and there are a lot of people who DM me. They're like, Oh, I would have fired back this. First of all, no, you wouldn't have. And second of all, what good would that have done? It just would have made the clip two minutes longer and more uncomfortable. I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to do that, but yeah, I got uncomfortable. But I've done, I mean, like I've done many interviews with Colby where things have gotten uncomfortable. That was probably the most uncomfortable I've, I've gotten was when he said that line about John. Because I, I just had no idea it was coming. Just did, did not see that coming. When he mentioned John, I was like, all right. He's just going to like talk a, little, talk a little noise. And then the threat came and I was like, oh, Jesus, we're, we're pivoting immediately. JD, hello. Good. How are you? Dude, I'm fantastic. This past weekend marked one month sober and feel awesome about it. So anyway, uh, got two things for you. One, last year I asked you a question about Ray Longo and where he could stand in best coaches of the year. So I want to revisit that considering now in a lot of people's eyes, he has – the top two bantamweights on his team and he doesn't have a very large team and then two people are obviously want to talk about you know uh this weekend's main event we're going to get your thoughts on it uh for sure tomorrow afternoon but i want to ask is there any chance that the fight heads to the ground at any point thanks bud hope you have a great day hmm that's an interesting question. Twenty five minutes, yes. I, I, I don't think it will be a lot, but I think at one point maybe Corey will shoot. Maybe he gets a takedown, Var gets right back up, and then they just keep doing the damn thing. So I'll say yes. I'm not fully com- confident in that pick, but I think at some point when you have two guys like that, especially Marlon, who gets better as the fight goes. Uh, it would not. It wouldn't shock me to see Corey mix things up a little bit. Maybe try to get a takedown, especially later in the fight when Marlon's at his most dangerous points. So yeah, I'll say, I'll say it hits the ground at some point. 
I don't think it'll be for very long, but I could I could see a takedown being shot for sure. And then Longo, coach of the year. I mean, he's he's off to a great start. He's off to a great start. Aljo beats Zahudo, and then Marab gets another win, and Frivola beats Drew Dober, and all this other stuff. Yeah, he'll be right in the mix. That was a great question last year, too. And he was probably probably should have been ranked higher than he was. Toke, look at this. We got I'm him in. Through. That's uh that's a welcome change. Uh I have changed absolutely nothing, so I'm glad to be in. Uh, <laughs> so um I'm just one the only thing that I'm gonna touch on, I don't have a rant this time. I'm sorry. I just don't. Um uh, but I will say that I will to all the betters out there my condolences because we are going to lose the most surefire bet in history, which is the live bet against Makwana Miyakani after round one. <laughs> it's, um, oh my God. Uh, before the fight even started, I, I had a um, small sprinkle on Jack Shore round two submission, which got through at odds, what, 10 to one, I think. And I mean, it's just, it's, I feel very sad that we're going to lose Maquan now because there's no shot that he gets another fight, I think. But I wanted to talk about Jack Shore as well because what we saw in the first round still matters. We saw him being bullied a bit, being thrown around a bit, and I'm still not sure. I know he can't make, he says he can't make a phantom weight, but he does seem like a small featherweight. So, do you think that's going to be an issue going forward? That's mostly what I wanted to talk about, actually. So glad to be back, Mike, and have a heck of a day. It's good to have you back. So I was I was worried about trying to get you in. I just didn't want the damn wheel to spin, and it worked. And I saw Mikey Bats in here earlier, so maybe he could try. Maybe maybe we're getting everybody in. Maybe the the issues have been fixed. I think that first round kind of went the way I thought it would. Um, I mean, I thought Makwan would be a little bit more active with stuff, but I think here, and you just kind of have to understand what Jack was, was sort of dealing with too. Uh, this is a guy coming off of his first ever loss, was finished badly by Ricky Simone, coming into a, to a, a, I mean, not a new weight class, but a new weight class for the UFC, one he hadn't been at since I believe the last time he was at 45 was his seventh pro fight. So it had been a minute. Uh, he's fighting on a big card, big pay-per-view in front of his home crowd. Everything going on with his dad. All of that. Like, there's a lot of pressure. His dad's yelling at him in the corner. Like, he'd been working head kicks the whole time. He didn't throw a single kick. Second round came out like a, like a bat out of hell and submitted Makwan Amir Khani in the second round. And he got it done. So I think he was just – he had a lot on his shoulders heading into that fight. So – Perhaps maybe just the first one, you kind of figure it out. You do the math, you do the numbers. What do we need to fix here? What do we need to tweak here? I think Jack probably hit the weights a little bit more, put on a little bit of size, make that cut a little bit more, a little bit more weight. So we can put on a little muscle. But I, I think, I think Makon was like the perfect first opponent with everything he had going on. And yeah, I mean, it's it's gonna be an experience for him. It's gonna be an experience for him, and eventually he'll he'll figure it out. And I feel like he'll be good. At, he'll he'll be fine at one forty five. 
He'll be fine. But he's he's got to get his body back acclimated to to that weight class, the weight cut. How much size can I put on? How how do I incorporate even more strenuous strength and conditioning to to match some of the the size discrepancies he might face in some of these fights? But yeah, I thought he had a it was the perfect first opponent. All you got to do is get out of that first round with with Makwan and you'll win in the second. And that's exactly what he did. So, yeah, round two, Jack Shore is probably the easiest bet of the card. And any kind of a live bet after round one on any Makwan Amerikani opponent is, is a great bet. It almost is surely going to cash. So, yes, maybe they'll keep him around. I don't know. Maybe they just think his topology picture is so damn fire that they have to keep him going. But I think Jack will be all right. Double A. What's up? Good. In saying that he should uh, rematch uh, Poirier, I think he was um, interested in that as well. I just, I'm just curious what you think. Um. Why would Poirier be interested in a fight against Gaethje again, considering he's already beaten him? And I, I just think that every time they would fight, I just think the result would be the exact same way. I just like I think it'd be a war, and then Poirier would get get the win in the end. So why would you think he'd be interested in a fight with Gaethje again? That's all I've got. Everyone have a great day. Take care of yourselves and peace. I mean, I think you're looking at this wrong, all wrong. Why would he not be interested in that fight? Gaethje's got buzz right now. Gaethje always has buzz. And Poirier is just on an island right now. I mean, th- that's literally the best thing he could hope for outside of finding his way into a title fight. And if he beats Justin Gaethje, he probably finds his way into a title fight. But I think a lot of it has to depend on what happens when Oliveira fights Benny? If Oliveira wins, Poirier might not be interested in that fight at all because Poirier might just get the damn title fight. Because I don't think they're going to go back to Oliveira that quickly. Less, you know, one year after, I, I don't see it happening. So Poirier could still be in play for the title shot. Uh, but as far as like big fights for Poirier right now, that's probably as good as it's going to get for him at this point. I mean, there's nobody for him to fight. He didn't seem all that interested in Darius. He already fought Oliveira. He's not going to fight Sarukian or Gamrod or any of these guys. Gaethje's, Gaethje's the one. Gaethje's the one. That was a fight of the year the first time. Probably a fight of the year again. Different kind of a Gaethje this time around. It's not the same dude. And it's something... I think Poirier did, or did an interview that we wrote up and said like that fight kind of work, kind of scares him a little bit. And those are the kinds of fights that that get him going. So yeah, I think he would take that fight. It was a cl- first one was a classic, and they're two different guys. Five years later, and if Poirier wants to get a title shot, Darius beats Makachev, then that's by far the best and biggest fight he can get right now, with Connor getting ready to fight Chandler. So, yeah, I think that's. I think he will take that fight. Why the hell wouldn't he? But I get where you're coming from. How do you do it better? He'll try, I guess. Chris, hello. Hey, boss. Um, I just had a quick question going back to, like, the Colby thing. 
do you think at all that them being so quick to name Colby is like a like are they in a negotiation with Edwards for his contract now that he's a champion? Is this like a like a stiff arm type thing? That's all I want to know. I have no idea, man. Like I it's again, like I've been like I've been saying on the show for three weeks. Do not be surprised if Leon Edwards wins if Colby Covington is in play. I, I, I prepared you for this. I warned you about this. And some of you thought it was crazy. And some of you were like, yeah, you're probably right. And here we are. Now, did I think we would get this announcement right after the fight on Saturday? No, I didn't. Because everybody was talking about this Mazadal Burns fight, especially if Mazadal wins. Like he could find himself in a title fight with Leon Edwards. And that's the fight Leon Edwards wants. And you basically just devalued the second biggest fight on your card. Like, what is the point of even putting this fight together if the stakes aren't what we thought they were? Like, who cares about the fight now? It's just a fight. Like, there's certainly storylines and questions to be had. Like, can Bozadol get back on track? Can he beat a guy like Gilbert Burns? Was 2019 just lightning in a bottle? All these different things. But the, what made this fight compelling in the first place was the fact that Leon won the belt and he's getting ready to fight Kamara Usman. And all of it's on, can Mazadal do it? And if he does, they're gonna, we're finally going to get something on this three-piece Minnesota story all these years later. And then to just go to the press conference and just devalue that fight in its entirety... I just didn't get it. It was the timing of it all. Colby being in this spot is not surprising at all. But the timing of it is crazy. Now, Burns and Mazadal fight April 8th, and Burns wins, and Dana goes to the press conference and says, Colby's next. Yeah, people are going to moan and groan about it, but people are like, all right, I get it. I get it. Like, Mazadal's out of the equation. Sure, Bilal will be pissed. Bilal fans will be mad. But at the same time... It's more, it's more understandable, right? It's more understandable. We get it. It's a draw. It's a money-making venture. It's a business, yada, yada, yada. But just to, devout, just to make the stakes in Burns Mazadal nothing is just strange to do it like that. It's just very, very weird. So I don't know if it's a contract thing. At the end of the day, I think Leon putting his feet in the sand is not going to be necessarily a bad thing. I think it'll co- it'll be something where they're just like, dude, just take the fight. Like, we'll give you more money. And he'll be like, bet. I'll just take the extra money and I'll fight this guy. And Leon can beat Colby. Like, Leon can beat him. It's a winnable fight for Leon. It's definitely a winnable fight. I don't know if I would pick him like right this second, but either way, it's a it's a close fight, but it's a winnable fight for Leon. It's not like he's fighting Hamza Chemaev. Colby's winnable. Like you could beat Colby and think of the like the rub he gets from beating Colby. He gets a bit of a rub. So yeah, I don't think this is a oh I refuse to fight him. I just I think the UFC will come correct and be like, dude, just just fight the fucking guy. Here's all this extra money. That is unless Mazadal just goes out there and obliterates Gilbert Burns. And I think that changes everything. 
I am working on a, I am working on getting Jorge Mazadal uh, for a conversation because they obviously the boxing event. Mazadal is supposed to come on the freaking watch party on Saturday, but it didn't happen. He was the, he was the surprise. Uh, it was it was this time last week. I was feeling pretty damn confident that Mazadal is going to be on the watch party, but it didn't happen. He ended up doing something with the uh, the Panthers hockey team. Something kind of came up last minute. Did a thing. He was kind of uh, the center of attention for that game. So he, he went and did that. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him for it. Uh, but we're working on getting something cooking uh, sometime. Maybe this week. Maybe early next week. But I am working on getting Mazadal and his response to it. But I think in the end, if Burns wins, this is the we are going to see Leon versus Colby. And Leon will probably get a couple extra bucks to take that fight, and we'll see how it plays out. It is an interesting fight. It is an interesting fight. It's a close one. It's a close one. Emilio, hello. Emilio. I don't hear you, Emilio. All right. So that's that, I guess. All right. So back tomorrow. We'll do it again. I think we're going to wrap up here. Uh, We'll be back. Yeah. Like I said, 10 a.m. Eastern tomorrow. We do have BTL 1230 Eastern Jed Mishu versus Damon Martin making his return to the BTL virtual arena. Uh, So it'll be a lot. I'm sure a lot of takes about the Colby stuff. So we'll talk about that, the fallout of UFC 286. We'll talk about Marlon Vera versus Corey Sanhagen, the stakes, all of that fun stuff. So we'll see, you, uh, we'll see you at 1230. And if you can't make it, we'll see you here tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern, free-for-all Friday. We'll have some fun leading into UFC San Antonio. And BKFC's back tomorrow as well. Big event in uh, Virginia and Britton Hart. Versus Jenny Savage 2 going down on that one. Uh, There's some heat there. So that'll be fun. BKFC is always a fun watch. But thank you all very much. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.